The following podcast is sponsored by Endgame PR, a social media PR firm based near Richmond, Virginia. To learn more about how Endgame PR can help your business with media relations, social media management, content creation, and even podcast production, please visit endgamepr.com. That's E-N-D-G-A-M-E-P-R.com. Welcome to Rams Rewind, a podcast that looks back at all of the action from VCU men's basketball. After each game, our host George Templeton talks live on Facebook with Ram fans and gives his take on the team's performance. And now, here's George. Well, it, it, it could have been a very beautiful game and it could have hung, hung in an art gallery, but in the end it doesn't, but whatever. VCU wins the game. And, and I think for all of us, we felt like that as long as they did that, they were going to be in good shape. Should it have come down to what it came down to? Should it have been as close as it was? No. A lot of factors in that. We'll get all into all of them in a minute, but let's start with some of the good things. And one of the good things was Bones Highland, although he got hurt again tonight, and I'm a little worried about his status for tomorrow. That first half, though, my God. For a guy that hadn't played since February 20th, limps off, at the end of the game, at the end of the game against George Mason or in the final few minutes, and, and you know, it looked like a disaster for him. For him to come back, what, two weeks later and hit almost as many field goals in the first half as Dayton had as a team. He had 22 points and six rebounds in the first half and an assist. I mean, goodness gracious. That was some kind of a performance. And the, and the big key was – Almost all of it was in the context of the offense. There was like one three-pointer you could argue where he just jacked it up and it went in. But in general, he was scoring either in transition or in the context of the offense. And when that happens, that is sustainable. That's the things you want to do. That is sustainable. So that was terrific from him. So I want to, I want to start with that because he needs to be praised there. Uh, it's weird. Ace Baldwin had a funny game because he only had one assist but I really liked the game he was playing, especially defensively, uh, the steals in the first half. He plays the passing lane so well. And, and you know, again, I'm listening to it. I'm not watching it. So anybody that was watching it can maybe say differently. But it seems to me like Ace Baldwin can play the passing lanes without taking stupid, idiotic risks that can lead to easy baskets. Um, what else do I want to say here? Um Competitive on the board in the second half. You know, they had a hard time on the on the on the backboard in the first half. You know, they they were out rebounded. They were out rebounded 17 to 10. The second chance points, you know, kept Dayton within hailing distance when otherwise, you know, they were they weren't getting anything done at all. And VCU was only, let's see, second half, only minus three on the backboard. You know, so that's that's not bad at all from them. You know, against against you know a front line that's that's not easy to deal with, um, and yes, Stephen Keck, uh, VCU's going dancing. I believe that too. I think it would help if Davidson would win the game coming up because Davidson's team in the top hundred and George Mason is not. Although, to be honest, I'd rather play George Mason. Uh, yeah, Mike Ravansky. Let's let's talk about some of those supporting actors. Hassan Ward, the blocks man, and and the TV announcers were very annoying. But I loved it when they talked about 
Ward's comfort defending away from the basket because that's something we've been, that we've been talking about in this group for a long time. Ward is a weapon on the defensive end because he can be anywhere on the floor and he's perfectly comfortable defending. It could be one foot from the basket. It could be 30 feet from the basket. And he can defend guards and, and quick small forwards just as easily as he can defend big people. You know, he had a nice dunk alley-oop. Uh, you'd like to see him get five more, more than five rebounds, but 10 points, five rebounds. Uh, you know, Watkins, I think, could have had a really good game if it wasn't for some ticky-tack fouls called against him. Uh, but I do like some of the game, some of the things Watkins did out there tonight. Uh, think of this, too. Let's talk about this. You know, we're, we're all looking at this final score being a little bit frustrated because this was a 19-point game and they should have cruised. They didn't have Vince Williams for, for most of the second half. Let's remember that. And he didn't score any points. And if you'd have told us that before the game, we'd all been like, uh-oh. And you had foul trouble for Watkins and Stockard, uh, you know, uh, in the game as well. And yet, VCU, it got a little it got a little more interesting than we would have liked. But VCU was never in danger of actually losing this game. So, you know, I think that that's – I think that that speaks to, to not only how well Highland played, obviously – but how well everybody else, you know, uh, came in. Corey Douglas, eight points. I was pretty happy with his game, except that one time when he had to t- – and this was where the game kind of turned on him. They're running the clock down. They make two great passes, and I thought it was Stockard because of how weak the guy went up for it. Freaking – freaking doggone Douglas. It was Douglas. He went up – he did not go up aggressively, and he got a shot blocked. Uh you know, so, I mean, it was just – it was so frustrating. Yeah, well, and you know what, Mike Urbanski, let's talk about that. People limping all over the floor. I was – when I was listening to the radio call, Rodney Ashby was saying that he had heard that that they were using something on the floor to make – for COVID reasons, and it was causing people to slip and slide. I've never seen – that I can remember, and anybody that, that's got, uh, got one that was worse than this – Please pull me up on that. I have never seen a game at the Seagull Center with that many players slipping and sliding and falling all over the floor. That floor was borderline dangerous, and it was not just dangerous for VCU; it was dangerous for Dayton too. You had Dayton guys getting, you know, coming up, coming up, kind of tweaking things and falling all over the place. It was dangerous for them. Uh, they got to do something about that. Because I'll be honest, I am my biggest nerves about tomorrow is that Mike Urbanski that. Somebody's going to slip and fall and get hurt whether we make the final or not, and then they might not even be able to play the NCAA tournament if we get in there. Um, yes, and Jason Hutto, great point about Josh Banks. I, I love the way Josh Banks plays because, and I said it in the game thread, when he drives a basket, he's not doing it half step. He's fully committed to getting there. Sometimes that's going to mean charges and turnovers, but sometimes it's going to lead to baskets and fouls called, maybe fouls that you shouldn't get, and to get in to get in there, um, I I mean Dan, I understand you're saying, but you got to understand where they are in the bubble. They're one of the last teams to get a bye, so there is there is daylight. They've won a conference tournament game. That's important because there are going to be teams around them on the bubble that don't even win a t- conference tournament game, and they're going to fall off. And remember something too: the one advantage maybe playing this week has is that. They have a good run this week, and then everybody else, it's more pressure on them. And I and I agree with what Steve you said earlier, Stephen, that 
you don't want to fall into the play-in game, so you really want to win tomorrow because you could probably you could probably lock away not being in the play-in game if you win tomorrow. And I agree with that. I absolutely agree with that. But I think, Dan, I think really, and again, when you look at the bubble, yes, there's going to be pressure to put these these average, you know, under 500 because they play in the Big Ten and the Big Ten is so good and they play in the they play in the Big 12, the Big 12 is so good. The problem is, the, 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 the good thing in our favor is, these middle-of-the-road teams and these other power conferences, the SEC, the ACC, the Pac-12, the Big East, the American, they're not really that good. And, and I don't think any of them have a profile that should really scare VCU one bit. I, I really do think VCU's probably in no matter what, but I think, I think Stephen Keck is right about if they don't win this game, they could end up in a play-in game. Uh, yeah, and again, you, uh, Mike Urbanski, I agree with you about Hassan Ward. The, the huge block, that was, that was, that was probably the sealer because they could have cut it to six with a lot of time on the clock. It could have been a problem, and he made, he made a fantastic block and went down and got, got a uh, basket. Let's, and, and let's point this out. Jalen Crutcher, especially after the announcers did nothing but talk about it for 40 minutes, finally had a good game against VCU. Uh, but you know what? It was it, – it's funny because you think about the last game where he didn't score, but he had eight assists, and they were at least somewhat competitive. Here he gets 21 points, but he only has two assists and four turnovers. And as a team, and this this really told you, this is really one of the reasons why Dayton couldn't come back. As a team, Dayton had nine assists, and that's it. Nine assists on 22 made baskets. Terrible. Their offense in half court was no good today. And, and it showed. E.B. Watson, you know, Dorenda Lovelace, and I mentioned it last night about how E.B. Watson went crazy against Rhode Island. E.B. Watson didn't have a basket until I think there was seven and a half minutes left in the game, and he was two for ten. He ends up with double figures because he gets to the foul line and he makes two threes. But they basically wiped E.B. Watson out of this game for, for 33 minutes. He did nothing. And, and, and Shimonga had a double-double, ten and ten, but really, he didn't do much either. And and v- VCU just really controlled this game defensively with how they were playing and how they were – I mean, they were suffocating – they were suffocating Dayton so much. They were three for their first 14. So Dayton actually had to get hot to get it over 40% for the second half and to get it over 40% for the game. They had to get hot at the end to do that because uh, they were they were nowhere at the under-eight timeout. Uh, so, you know, that, that was that, – I mean, their VCU's defense – uh, and it got a little sloppy at the end. And, of course, the, and that's the other thing, too. This game would have not been so damn close if those idiotic referees – and, yes, some of those touch fouls helped VCU, but, my God, these these ticky-tack nickel-dimers seriously let these players play. Was it a physical game? Sure. But it wasn't a dirty game. It wasn't a rough game. There were flipping 40 fouls called. and And the thing is – they missed some obvious ones, like the the foul with the, in less than two minutes left in the game, where Highland gets hurt, was clearly a foul. They didn't call that, and then they call these little touch fouls other places. Stop it! I, and that's the thing. I really think that's part of the reason Dayton was able to come back. And and they made this point. One of the few good points the TV announcers made is that when the flow of the game s- slowed down, that's really what hurt VCU because in the middle of that half, when they got roped. VCU got rolling, and Dayton Dayton couldn't do anything on offense, and VCU was getting whatever they getting whatever they want on their offensive end of the floor. 
And as soon as that, it just gummed everything up and it helped Dayton. It hurt VCU and it was frustrating. It was extraordinarily frustrating. You know, it led to some of these turn. I mean, that's the other thing. VCU ended up with 15 turnovers after doing really well with that in the first half. Uh, you know, and only 10 assists, which don't like either. 10 assists on 27 field goals, not good enough. Not really good enough. And again, so, I'll be honest, some of that is, you know, Vince Williams not being out there because he's 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 had games where he's had five or six assists and Baldwin hasn't had a lot of them. And that's, you know, that you don't like that at all. Um, I mean, Jason Hutto, I think that's a fair criticism. The game management wasn't good. But I will say it was not all their fault because because when they got that lead up there, the games the game was flowing. The refs were kind of letting everybody play a little bit, and then as soon as the whistle started coming in, uh, VCU started struggling with it. And it's just like, God, if, if we could just get some referees that are not going to be paid by the stinking whistle, because it happens every time. Every I, I've, I've I've watched this now. Certainly at the end of Will Wade's time, it was true, and it's been true the entire time uh, of Mike Rhodes' tenure here. When we get a game where the refs are whistle-happy, it is really hard for VCU because VCU needs to get – it stops VCU from getting into a rhythm. And on both ends of the floor, because you can get in a defensive rhythm just as much as an offensive rhythm. And in the first part of that second half, when there wasn't you know 50-11 whistles getting blown – they were in a defensive rhythm. You know, Ward was a part of that. Baldwin with the steals was a part of that, I think. Uh, Watkins was too, uh, as I was struggling for the ring. Watkins was too. Yeah, yeah, Michael P. Dunn, they missed some, they, they missed some bad ones. Um, let me address, okay, let me address before we get on to the next round here what Steven said. You're, and, I, and I understand where you're coming from, Steven, about you don't want to be an 8-9, so you're worried that VC wins – the conference tournament, they're going to be in the 8-9 game. It's tough to be the 8-9 in an NCAA tournament, but it is not impossible. It is not impossible. And again, if you're going to beat, if you're going to beat a number one seed, and look, VCU beat a number one seed on the way to the Final Four uh, 10 years ago. You're going to, you're, you're often going to have to play a number one seed to re- win a region. And if you're going to beat one, what do you need to have? You need to have a singularly outstanding a player. Well, Bones Highland is that guy uh, if he's healthy, and of course that's the you know we'll talk we'll mention we'll talk about that in a minute, but that's one of the issues. And to me, you got to be able to make threes, and that's kind of hit and miss. But you got Highland, you got Wince Williams when he's healthy, you can make them. And what VCU has that that a lot of teams don't have that can pull this off is they have the defensive ability to get the to to get the stops to stay in games. Being a top 20 defensive team in, in efficiency gives them a chance against these number one seeds because even though they're most of them are really good defensive teams too, especially Baylor. Um, Baylor's one of good, uh, Baylor's like in the top five in defensive efficiency. VCU can get those stops. The biggest thing if they get to a number one seed in the tournament, and I know we're putting 10 million carts before the horse here, but I got to address what Steven said because I disagree with it, is you got to rebound the basketball. You can't give up the second chance points. VCU, you know, that's been a problem in some of these games. And look, that's the only thing that kept this thing close. Dayton ended up 13 to 4 on second chance points uh, after, you know, with a 12, and a 12 to 3 advantage in offensive rebounds. That was the issue. That was the issue that because early in the game, 
Dayton's offense in half court wasn't doing zip. And Blakeney, which these are the only two baskets he made, and he made them in the first – he was the first two baskets of Dayton's – Dayton's uh, Dayton got in the game was Blakeney rebounding misses and putting them in. Um, and then they shut it off for a little while, and then Shimanga got going with it at the end. It was annoying as hell. So that, that's the one worry. But I want to win this conference tournament because, A, it's annoying that as good as VCU's been in the A-10 for all these years, they've only won it once. And number two, I want that momentum. And here's the other thing. Because of the way the schedule is, having to only play one game next weekend, you want to win that game because you really feel like you've got serious momentum, and but you're not going to be overtaxed like they were the year they won it when they had the four games in four days. And then the NCAA basically bent us over and had their way with us by putting us out west on Thursday and God, doggone it, VCU played great and should have won, should have won that game. But D'Angelo Russell just wouldn't let it happen, which in one sense was good because it saved us from getting absolutely bombed in the second game by Arizona because that's what would have happened. So I want to win this conference tournament because it's and 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 Dan and I'll circle back to what Dan said. That's the only way you're sure you know you're in. And then you you can we could just sit there and not only celebrate a conference tournament championship on Selection Sunday, then celebrate where you're going to go, you know, what, what seed you're going to get, where we're going to go. And again, what you don't know is it's such, I mean, look at, I'll give you a perfect example. Connecticut, Connecticut was, was sitting on the wrong side of the bubble like a week and a half ago. They're up to a nine seed. That's how fluid it is. So don't rule out the fact that if VCU keeps the momentum up and you get a few of the right teams losing here or there, that they could get to a single digit seed and maybe even into a seven. Because that is how it is so that 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 seed list is so malleable from about, you know, from from 28 on down because the teams are so close. Uh, yeah, and, and great point, Jason. Now, I'll tell you something. The end of that first half was not great, but Bones Highland hitting that three was massive because it absolutely took. And that's the other thing. Anthony Grant did some strange things in his game in this game. And Dayton did some strange things this game. Dayton should have been fouling to try to extend the game. They didn't. But doggone, at the end of the half, you've got to run that clock down so that Bones Highland doesn't get that chance. And they don't. They leave 11 seconds, and he gets that shot, and that was a dagger. That really was a dagger. And I think it, I think it in part contributed to Dayton's poor start to the second half because if they'd have got in, if they could have got in down, down single digits – it would have felt like a victory as much as they were struggling on offense. And then VCU gets that shot, and VCU kind of takes a roll of it. And really, they should have won this game going away. They didn't, and that stands for where it is. They had they had they were struggling with foul shots early, and then they kind of got rolling on those towards the end. They ended up 14 to 20, 70%, which is under their average. Over 50% from the field again. Something else I want to point out. Didn't go crazy with the three-pointers. It only took 14 threes, took 37 twos. Again, I prefer it to be three to one, but of all the things, of all the things I could have that 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 VCU's had problems with that could have really annoyed me, the shot selection tonight was pretty darn good. It wasn't perfect, but it was pretty darn good. And and it was better than Dayton's, because Dayton, there were some shots where there were some there there were some shots Dayton took where you're like, what are you doing? Like Crutcher near the end, near the end. There was 14 on the clock, and he was trying to draw a foul, and he threw up this mess, and it was awful. It was nowhere near it. 
And you just didn't see that a lot from VCU. And of course, you know, here's the other thing. Uh, you know, VCU's 14 to 20, and Bones Highland, who's one of the best foul shooters in the country, was five of eight. So, you know, he had misses where he normally wouldn't, and I think that's the injury bothering him. So, yeah, let's talk about that now. So Bones Highland has come up, comes up limping a little bit, and then he's yeah, working on his calf. I see him with the rubber band doing what I do, except he's standing up and kind of stretching it. He gets back out there. He kind of gets knocked around again. By the way, on one of those times, he got knocked out with an injury. He's basically running on one leg and throws an absolute dime to Hassan Ward for an alley-oop. That was crazy. <laughs> that was absolutely fantastic. Uh, Mike Ravansky, here's what happened with Vince Williams, and we'll talk about him. Freaking Shimonga drove to the basket and really didn't care that Vince Williams was there, that Vince Williams was outside the no-charge circle. Shimonga plowed into Vince Williams and just flattened him. I think Vince Williams – I'm worried that Vince Williams head hit the floor and he's got a concussion. It wasn't some kind of a leg injury. He was bent over. I I was worried about a concussion because he got – I mean, Shimonga is not a small man. As you, as anybody who watched this game and is listening to watch this game, Shimonga is is a big, thick, thick young fella. And when he puts his when he puts his body into you, you're going to feel it. And he put the full weight of himself – right into Vince Williams and knocked the holy hell out of Vince Williams. Vince Williams takes the charge. Great courage from Vince Williams. But it is one of those times where the announcers were right about what was the cost. You took that charge and get the turnover, and he's rolling around writhing in pain, and it's legitimate pain. It could have been, I'm wondering if it's some kind of an internal injury that we don't know about because he hit the he hit the floor hard too. So Shimaga goes bam, and then he goes Bam on the floor. The good news is it hasn't. It doesn't have anything to do with the leg injury he sustained against Davidson. So I'm hopeful that tomorrow we're going to see Vince Williams. But I think in both cases, Williams and with Doug and with Highland, you you can afford to be careful because you're you're probably going to the tournament now, or you should be, and you don't want to risk. You don't want to go crazy with his semifinal, when you can give – look, you can give them almost two weeks off because uh, they'll be playing – unless they're playing in the play-in, and I think the play-ins this year is actually Thursday. So actually, if they're not playing in the play-in, it's going to be over two weeks because I think the first round is, is uh, Friday. I think it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday is the first and second rounds because of the jacked-up way they're doing the tournament this year. So in that sense – you know, you can give them two weeks off if you have to. Um, and and if they make the final of the A-10, you can give them a week off and they can play. So VCU must be cautious here. I feel better about Highland's ability to play simply because he did get back in the game. He made some free throws at the end. After not scoring for a long time, he got 30, which is awesome. And and I think Highland's injuries were not were not were not bad. I am worried about Vince Williams, but they can, you can afford to be cautious with him. Because if you have Highland and he's near 100% and you don't have Williams, you can still win tomorrow against whoever it is. Yeah, Jameer, Jameer, Watkins did, Jameer Watkins did well, and he would have been on for a big game if the referees weren't calling BS little rinky-dink fouls on him. They called two fouls on Watkins where literally all he was doing was, was playing good defense, and I was not happy about it at all. All right, so let's deal with tomorrow. Late night, 9 o'clock. Hopefully, if I can do really well at work, I can be home 
sometime during the first half and then do a live video like normal. We'll see. I'm going to bust my hind in like crazy at work to try to get home by 9 o'clock so I can watch the whole game and all that with you guys. Probably on stream like I did today. Not at my stepdad's, but whatever. You know, it's whatever it is. Well, some way, somehow, I'm going to get home. I'm going to do whatever I can to make that happen. Uh, so that's the first thing. <laughs> Mike Urbanski with the, fun, with the funny jokes here saying CNN's already called the Davidson to beat George Mason. Let's, let's talk about that. We know what happened to Davidson. It was just, it was just last weekend. You know, they, they were in the game. Offensively, it was not very good. They didn't have Highland, and Vince Williams goes out. And really, they just they just they just kind of lost control of themselves on the offensive end. And and it was you know it was Davidson got rolling with the with the shots late with the three pointers late. Brockovich had a really good game against us, um, and Davidson kind of was patient, worked themselves. I will point out that if they do play Davidson, the scenario when they won the A10. Davidson rolled them in the last regular season game, which they didn't roll them here, but that's what happened. They lost the last regular season game to Davidson. They played Davidson in the semifinal rematch, and VCU stomped the life out of them and then won the final the next day. So Davidson, if we got Highland, I feel good about our chances because it wasn't like what has often happened at Belk Arena. It wasn't a blowout. VCU was competitive. VCU was in the game. The effort was there. The injuries and VCU kind of falling out of their falling out of their um, out of the way they needed to play was part of it. If it's Mason, they played twice. The first game, BCU got a big lead in the second half and then kind of mentally, kind of mentally went to sleep, but they pulled the game out with some with some free uh made a few free throws late. Highland 23 in that game. Uh and even that that's even though he did not shoot the ball well at all. He also had 10 boards. Uh by the way, in that game, VCU was even on, on the backboard. They did a really good job uh, in, on the backboard in that game. And VCU won in spite of the fact they had 15 turnovers because they forced Mason to have 16 turnovers. It was a game where VCU should have won by a lot more than what they did, and they did. Uh, and then, of course, we know what happened in the second game. They had to the double-digit lead in the second half and then started to leak a little oil. And then Island gets hurt, and VCU somehow comes back. They get down five. Take the lead in the last minute. Don't rebound the basketball. Of course, they got slaughtered on the backboard in that game. Mason, 15-3 on the offensive board, 42-26 overall. Second chance points, 13-2, and Mason wins the game. Mason also shoots really well from the foul line. Oduro goes nuts against us, 27 off the bench. And I think, for me, if we play Mason – the mentality has got to be this. This is a rivalry. Mason's going to throw the kitchen sink at us because it's all they're all in. If they beat Davidson, they're all in on this game, which means defensive effort, effort on the backboard, and effort on the backboard is huge. Don't stand there waiting for the ball to come to you. Go get it. Because that happened to – that was a big problem today. So many times – Dayton got the offensive rebound because their guys went to go and get it and the VCU guys just standing there. So you have to go and get this basketball. It's not going to come to you. You got to go get it. Crash the boards. And, and, and the other thing, there was a, just a touch of, of Mason bullying VCU in that second game. Get into their chest a little bit. 
Get into their guards' chest. Get into Oduro and A.J. Wilson's chest a little bit. You know, don't be – I mean, and you may get some fouls called on you and all that other stuff. But, again, I think VCU – I think VCU got a little bit surprised. And I think VCU was kind of on the back foot because they were surprised at how physical Mason was. Uh-uh. Go after them. Be aggressive on them. You know, let, let's not – if Oduro gets in there – don't let him push us around the way they did. And that's a call on Stocker, Douglas, Ward, you know, Medley Bacon, who I hope is going to get in there if he does. Don't let's not let him push him and push us around. Let's turn his shot back a few times. Let's 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 get physical with him on the defensive end so you can wear him down on the offensive end. Let's get after these guys a little bit. And and again, it's it's but Steven, they are our rivals. This is going back to the colonial. George Mason is our rivals. And and we and, and don't give me their rivals, not really. They are our rivals. Act like it. Act like this is a rivalry game. That the kind of focus, the kind of energy, the kind of meanness and grit that we see when they play Richmond, because very rarely when they play Richmond, do they do they not turn up and, and act like that this game is the most important game of the season. Because they know they're going to catch holy hell if, he's, if the Rams lose to, to, to Richmond one. And number two, they know they know how much it means in the city because they're going to run into it everywhere. They're going to run into Richmond people. Richmond people are going to run into VCU people. Treat George Mason the same way because there have been big games in the Colonial. There have been big games in the A-10. There have been battles in the tournament. Treat Mason the same way. Take them seriously, and let's face it, if you can get their foot on their neck like you had Dayton, don't let them up. Crush their windpipe. That's the way. That is the attitude that VCU needs to have because if they have that attitude, it isn't going to be a problem tomorrow if they play Mason. Davidson is tougher because of that offense, because of how well uh, they, they work that offense, and because of the fact that even if their best player, Kellen Grady, is not firing. They're not going to force it. He's not going to force it. You still have to defend everybody. You still have to watch all the angles. You still have to, to be ready for the backdoor cuts. If VCU can take their first half defensive effort against Davidson and replicate that, it'd be good enough to win. It'd be good enough to win. But they got to do it for 40 minutes. And as Steven just said in the in the chat, for those of you listening, Davidson's up 24 to 7. So we might be getting ready for Davidson. And I'll tell you something else. This that is interesting because it has been a long time since the chalk held in the A10 tournament like this. If Davidson wins, we're gonna have the top four seeds, which from the A10's perspective is the best thing possible. Um, the the best situation possible to get a freaking to get a tournament where you get the top four seeds in the in the semifinals because all of them, except with the exception of maybe Davidson, are in the at-large pool. And you'd be just thrilled. You'd be absolutely thrilled to have the top four seeds in there. Uh, it's been a long time since we've had that. Uh, it certainly hasn't happened in this decade. So let's go back to the previous decade, see if we can find one while I'm vamping here a little bit. Yeah, top four seeds. Uh, almost in 2010, you had the five-seed Rhode Island uh, stop that. But you had, uh, you had Temple, Richmond, Xavier, one, two, and three in there. One, two, and three there. So not not in 2010, but you were close. 
2009, nope, because you had Duquesne who got all the way to the final uh, in 2009 somehow uh, as a seven seed. They almost won four games in four days at Boardwalk Hall. Uh, nope, not in 2008. Uh, you had uh, Xavier, St. Joe's, Temple, Charlotte. So you had one, two, five, and six. You almost had it in uh, 2007. You had one, three, four, and but seven was in there. St. Louis upset UMass. The GW won that tournament beating Rhode Island. So you had uh, Rhode Island in the semifinal. Oh, excuse me, Rhode Island beating Xavier in the semifinals. Let's see, 07. Uh, that was 07. Let's see, 06. Nope. No, 06, you had Xavier as a 10 seed win the tournament. Golly, that's just crazy. Absolutely crazy when you get stuff like that. Uh, let's see here. Well, the closest thing to it, when you had the divisions, you had East 1 versus West 2, West 1, which is West 2, which is 2005. So you got to go all the way back to 2005 to get your top four seeds in there. And as we said, 2013 is the last time you had one versus two, which is now on because St. Bonaventure and VCU both made it. So interesting that we're going to get a chalk situation, but great for the A-10 because, you know, St. Bonaventure, you got to feel good about their circumstance. VCU, you got to feel good about their circumstance. And St. Louis needs to get a game like St. Bonaventure because that's a quad one win. If St. Louis were to win that, it could vault them. It would, it would vault them into the final. And if they got to play VCU, that would be a chance for another quad one victory because uh, it would be a neutral floor in VCU's top 50 net team. Um, well, Jason, I, I don't know. I Like I say, eight or nine if we win it. Um, I'm not sure because – and again, I wouldn't rule out a seven because of how fluid it is at that part of the bracket. And, you know, we'll be watching – I'll have my eye on these big tournaments because you're going to have a lot of teams in that region that will lose and lose early. So – so that's that's uh that that's the way that's the way it is. Uh well, okay, Mike Ravansky, really quick about the quads. Quad one win is you beat a top 75 team on the road, you beat a top 50 net team on a neutral floor, which VCU's got one of those because it beat Utah State. They could get another one with Memphis if Memphis can can do it up in this last weekend and then do it up at the uh at the Conference USA, uh, Conference USA, at the American Athletic Tournament. Or you beat a top 30 net team at home, which, by the way, uh, that could be another quad one for St. Bonaventure because VCU's not that far from the top 30 either. And St. Bonaventure's not that far from the top 30. So we could get a quad one win out of, you know, they each team could get a quad one win out of each other. So that's your quad one wins. Top 75 on the road, top 50 on a neutral floor, top uh, top 30 at home. That's the, that's the quad one win. Uh, VCU... Was was and it still probably is going into this morning. I'm going to look at it now. Was among the nation's leaders in quad two wins. At one point, they had eight quad two wins, uh, and and led the and led the country in that. Uh, they were eight zero in quad two, which I thought was pretty darn impressive. Um, let's see here. There's there. Uh, there. Well, that's the other thing. VCU's got two quad one wins now. Ha <laughs> ha. So VCU's got two quad one wins now. So I'm guessing. Uh, I'm guessing that St. Bonaventure win is now a quad one win. So VCU's only got six quad two wins now, but they're six and oh. And there's a and admittedly there's a bunch of teams at six and oh, and there's a couple teams at seven and oh. At one point VC was eight and oh in quad two, uh, which is not too bad. But so there you go. I mean, the the opportunity to move up is there, but a lot of it's gonna happen. A lot of it may happen next week while VCU's not playing, whether it's because they're in the final and they're waiting until Sunday or they're out of they're out altogether, because Teams are going to be losing. 
Plenty of teams are going to be losing. So, Dayton, it's looking like Davidson. Uh, I'm not unhappy to have that rematch because, to me, VCU v- VCU could have won that Davidson game if they had everybody and if they didn't have you know our obstacles thrown in their way. And even then, and even with all that, they were still competitive in, a, in an arena in a gym where they usually get their head handed to them. So I feel very good about playing Davidson at home. We know the things. You got to guard the perimeter. You can't get caught collapsing on the uh, collapsing in the paint and chase them around the perimeter. It's something I talked about before. Young Jung Lee, you got to have, have a hand in his face always because as, as Todd Pierre, say Pierre said when I did the last video before the Dayton game, he's like a robot. Uh, you know, if he gets a shot up and he's and he and it's clear, there's always a good chance it's going to go in. Um, so, hey, look, the big guy's got to stand up against Brockovich. They can't let him get going like he did last game. And look, Medley Bacon, who didn't play in the last game and probably should have, needs to be a part of that. Let him lay on Brockovich's thumb and stand in his way some and see if he's going to do that stuff. So I want to thank everybody for listening. Thank you uh, for watching in the, in, the, in the fan group and leaving all your comments. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening. If you're listening on Podbean or Apple, rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends. Uh, and I'll see you tomorrow night after the VCU game, after hopefully another VCU win that can get them into a final and get them into that week off. Uh, and also definitely lock them into the NCAA tournament if they aren't already. Thank you all for listening. Have a good night, everybody. To submit a question for George to answer in an upcoming episode or to inquire about sponsorship opportunities for this podcast, please email ramsrewind at gmail.com. To participate in the post-game Facebook Live with George, join the Facebook group VCU Basketball Fans, The Good, The Bad, The Ugly. We'll be back after the next game, and thanks for listening to this episode of Rams Rewind.